coming up on Philosophy Talk. In my culture, if you are a composer, you compose for the community. You don't put your name on it. A con philosophy and personhood. What makes you the person you are? Is it something inside your head, or is it a relationship to your community? You have a strong communal identity. You fit in the society. You know your place in the community. How does a con philosophy think about the self? The idea of thinking deeply and reflecting on one's life and the lives of other people is part of being a person. Our guest is Ajumi Wingo from the University of Colorado at Boulder. It's not society as an aggregate, one plus one plus one plus one plus one. It is the community that gives meaning to individual lives. The Akan idea of personhood. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Is your inner life what makes you, you? Or is your identity about connecting to your community? How can West African philosophy help us think about the self? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Josh Landy. And I'm Ray Briggs. We're coming to you via the studios of KALW San Francisco Bay Area. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where Ray teaches philosophy, and I direct the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. Today, we're thinking about a con philosophy, specifically its concept of personhood. Oh, Akan philosophy is really cool. There's a, a whole centuries-old tradition in West Africa of discussing big topics like the meaning of freedom, the most ethical way to live, and, and what it means to be a person. Ah, so what does it mean to be a person in Akan philosophy? Well, this is philosophy we're talking about, so you're not going to get everybody to agree on one definition. But, but broadly speaking, being a person is about contributing to your family and community, participating in local rituals, doing important work, getting married and having children. Wait, you're telling me you have to get married and have children in order to, to count as a person? So, so if I'm single, I'm not even a real member of the community? Well, you're not a member of a traditional West African community, but you know, if you wanted to translate Akan values into an American cultural context, you'd probably have to think about what family and community mean over here. Okay, wise guy, so what do they mean? Well, they could mean lots of things. I mean, you don't have to have kids. There's plenty of ways to contribute to your community. You could, you know, take your nephews and nieces to a ball game, uh, work at a soup kitchen on weekends, even teach the next generation. <laughs> at least I'm doing something right. But look, I'm still not sure we should be defining ourselves in terms of our communities. I mean, that seems great when you live in harmony with people around you. But what happens when you try to disagree or, or when you try to criticize them? Like, could your personhood be suddenly taken away? Oh, I don't think Akan philosophers have to say that. I mean, critics and dissenters aren't always popular in their communities, but they're definitely still contributing. I mean, I mean, wouldn't it be worse if the community did morally questionable things without reflecting on itself? So, so, so a critic definitely still counts as a person, maybe even a real, really cool person. Okay, but then what about somebody who can't contribute? Like maybe they're disabled or maybe they just never got a proper education. Are they going to count as less of a person? There's actually already some philosophical discussion about that. So, so one Akan philosopher, Kwasi Wiredu, says you have to adjust for people's level of opportunity. So if you overcome obstacles and make even a small contribution to society, you're going to end up being more of a person than someone who made a big contribution, but only because they started out on third base, right, with every privilege in the world. Yeah, I don't know. I, I still think it's important to talk about people's inner lives, too, and not just their contribution to society. 
Well, the Akan people also have a lot to say about that. I mean, traditionally, they believe that each of us is composed of three parts. There's the Akra, or soul, the Sunsum, or spirit, and the Honam, or body. Oh, that sounds kind of like Plato or, or Freud. They, they also thought that maybe human beings could be divided into three parts. Ooh, or maybe it's more like Descartes. He thought we had two parts, a body and a mind. Those are some really cool analogies. I wonder if they hold up. Well, maybe our guest can tell us. It's a Jumi Wingo from the University of Colorado Boulder. And maybe we'll hear more from our roving philosophical reporter. She was able to find out about the cultural context of Akan philosophy. Holly J. McDeed files this report. I tell my students all the time, no culture is perfect. My Akan culture is not perfect. American culture is not perfect, but we can learn from each other. Kwasi Ompene is a professor at the University of Michigan. He specializes in the musical traditions of the Akan people. He's also a Akan, and growing up, music was everywhere. I mean, music is never separate or added on. It is part and parcel. Kwasi was born several years after Ghana gained independence from Britain. But when he went to school, he kept reading about European music and how wonderful Beethoven is. And I kept asking myself, what about this music that I grew up with? What about this? He decided he wanted to bring the music from his village to the rest of the world. So that the world can read about my village. When he began his studies, he saw how music was often not considered to be a composition unless it was written down. European music is often traced to famous composers. But in the Khan tradition, people don't put their names on everything. We have songs. We have all this um, gram music. We have music for xylophones. We have, they didn't just fall from heaven. Individuals created them. But they have to understand that in this culture, it's a commonwealth-based culture where you do something for the community. Everyone is expected to add something to the music, and people aren't judged. To show what that can look like, Kwasi began leading groups like the University of Colorado Boulder High Life Ensemble. There is no line drawn between the performers and the audience. In European music, the ending is often fixed. Take the Hallelujah Chorus, for example. The chord that is projecting finality is there in European culture. In Akan music, Kwasi says, the music is more circular. A typical example also in African-American is when they do their song, you know, they do... And they said, oh, hallelujah, and they said, oh, then they start again. Because they couldn't end it. And then they start again, and then they end. And then they start again, the same song. If you are not careful, they'll be doing that song for two hours. <laughs> the emphasis around community not only shows up in music, but also in language. It's basically a philosophy about life. Arthur Hughes is a con, but grew up reading Latin American romance and travel novels. Now he's the director of Latin American studies at Ohio University, where a con is taught. Hughes says in his culture, you're not considered an adult until you have a proverb to back up every thought you have. You do everything because of what somebody has already said or thought or decided. 
For example, this proverb, you do not point with your left finger to your family house. And the reason behind this is that the left finger is supposed to show contempt and you do not therefore do things that disgrace your family or bring your family honor down. From Ohio, Hughes stays connected on WhatsApp. The chats with family and friends in West Africa are constant. On two occasions, he's had to take himself off the platform because it's too much. They talk about everything, from politics to religion to football. There's no specific agenda. Yeah, I don't, don't tell me why Arsenal is better than Manchester United. I don't need to know that. In his culture, there's a family elder who keeps these connections going. His sister recently got the task. She's just 63 and head of the family now. She holds a position. She has to be consulted on matters relating to the family, births, deaths, funerals, whatever. And with technology, she has also become the keeper of the birthday calendar. So she sends out messages on everybody's birthday. And thanks to Proverbs and WhatsApp, the Khan community stays connected and the traditions keep spreading. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Holly J. McDeed. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.